Seattle's Morning News. This is Dave Ross. A court has ruled that people under domestic violence restraining orders still have the constitutional right to a gun. Let's consult with former State Attorney General Rob McKenna. Our conversation is sponsored by Madrona Financial Services. And this is the the latest consequence of the Supreme Court's uh, recent expansion of Second Amendment rights. Exactly. And to be clear about it, in expanding Second Amendment rights and upholding them, the court has really created a new test for when a law or regulation infringes on those rights. We used to have a a test, sort of a means end test. What that means is that you would first decide whether or not someone was within the protection of the Second Amendment, you know, where they they possess a firearm so that they were protected by the right to keep and bear arms. Then secondly, the court would evaluate whether or not the challenged government regulation or law had a rational basis or satisfied a higher level of scrutiny because there was compelling state interest. Now, the test is not means ends. The test is, does this regulation or law fit within the you know historical framework from when the Second Amendment was adopted? Oh, that's right. The judge is going back to say, we have to figure out what was in the framers' minds back when they wrote the amendment. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. So in the case involving domestic violence restraining orders, the U.S. government came in and argued, look, you know, in the 18th century, uh, there were laws disarming dangerous persons. And the Fifth Circuit acknowledged that, but they concluded that based on the, the evidence from the record, that those laws were about the preservation of social and political order, not about the protection of one individual from another single individual. Huh. The, the, uh, the <laughs> This idea that we're going to go back and put ourselves in the shoes of the framers of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is is really challenging if, if that is, an, is indeed the test. Well, okay, but... It, uh... Was there no domestic violence? What constitutes a dangerous person? Someone who's who's threatened another person enough such that a court enters right. an order against them. It sounds to me like there's been due process and that person has been duly judged to be dangerous. Which is why this case is going to go up. Uh, and I assume the Supreme Court will grant review. We don't know that for sure. But this is the kind of issue the Supreme Court's going to have to take up. In the Bruin decision, the court was very clear that its ruling does not mean that laws prohibiting felons from owning guns or that mentally ill from owning guns are unconstitutional. Both Bruin and the older case, D.C. v. Heller, you know, talk about the applicability of the Second Amendment to law-abiding, responsible citizens. Yeah. Because what they're saying is, you know, if you're a convicted felon, if you're mentally ill, okay, then a law restricting your firearm possession, that, that's going to be up, upheld. But for some reason, the Fifth Circuit decided that that doesn't cover someone who's under a domestic violence restraining order, perhaps because you can get a restraining order issued against you without being convicted of anything. And apparently they did, the Fifth Circuit did not find in the historic record, you know, evidence that that would have caused you to have to give up your musket in the 18th century. Yeah, that's that's the point I was going to make. This history test sounds very selective. It It doesn't cover the fact that weapons today bear... Not much resemblance to weapons of yesterday in terms of their their ability to inflict deadly force. That's true, but these cases are not about the type of weapon, right? Uh-huh. They're, they're not making those distinctions. This is about you know the basic right to keep and possess a firearm. Does this undermine the whole concept of extreme risk protection orders, which we know have worked to to uh, prevent shootings? 
and which are right. imposed against people who have not been been sent to jail or necessarily uh, convicted of a felony. Potentially, this ruling, if upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court, does threaten extreme risk protection orders. However, having said that, this case is about a federal law, not about a state law. Mm-hmm. And I think the courts would have to evaluate uh, each law as they come along. Keep in mind that the reason this law was being challenged is that Rahimi, the defendant, had been convicted of possessing a firearm while under a restraining order. So he challenged the law in order to get his conviction overturned. It wasn't like, you know, just some random citizen going to court and saying, hey, I don't like this law, let's overturn it. So you have to have specific cases come along. But the fact is that if someone in Washington state who's under an extremist protection order is also, you know, is found to have a weapon, is charged and convicted of illegally possessing that weapon, then they they probably would cite this Fifth Circuit case and any yeah. resulting Supreme Court case to try to get that conviction overturned. Yeah. The other context that's ignored is that when that uh, Second Amendment was passed, we were a rural country. There was a lot of space between people. And arguably, you know, if you were out in the frontier, you really needed to have your you needed to have your weapon. Yes. Uh, they also weren't as fussy about uh, problems like domestic violence. It wasn't even recognized as a problem. It was treated as a as a private matter until really until the 1970s, I think. Former State Attorney General Rob McKenna. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Dave. 